So today we're, uh, we're going to continue in the series, as Dave said, we're going to talk about loving God with your mind. I'll need this. Uh, I hope I don't need it, but uh, how many were here last week? Raise your hand. Let me see. Wasn't that awesome, man? That was such a great service last week. Uh, interesting moment at the end, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but I was curious to see. It was amazing to me to see, and I was one of them, that wrote something down on a card that they wanted to basically eradicate from their life, an idol, if you would, something that was keeping them from loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they brought it up here, and they put it in a basket, and uh, it just got me thinking, and just, can I just share with you, working here at K2, I've worked at several churches, but working here at K2 is unique for me in this sense. Never have I been at a church where they encouraged me not just to know God, but to know Brad. I mean, I don't even think, like, some of the questions that I get asked here by leadership and staff and things that they, they encourage us to ponder and, and chew on, I've never been asked in church before. They basically, in other churches, it's just like, you know, you know, just love God, it's not about you. And that's true. But you know what, if you don't know yourself, it's really difficult to make that leap to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's like last week we were talking about desires, right? So it got me thinking. What do I really want? What do, you, what do you really want in life? And and you can ask that question in any area of life, okay? I mean, spiritually, of course. Physically. I mean, we just passed the new year. It was resolution time. It's the time to ask, what do I really want? And physically is just the easiest example for me, okay? So every year I make the same resolution Except I quit making them. This past year, I don't make them anymore because I never keep them. But I always really want to lose weight. A little bit of weight. I'm not, you know, Moss Gordo or anything, but I got a few pounds I could shed. You know, what's <laughs> I do, right? You know, and, and I would love, I, can I just be real honest with you? I would love to stand up here and tell you I want to lose weight because I want to be healthy and be around for my wife and my children and, and, you know, just really care for them. But K2 has encouraged me to be honest with myself. <laughs> so I'm just going to be real honest with you. I just want to look good. I mean, and it frustrates me that I look in the mirror and I'm, I'm not satisfied with my personal appearance. And especially like I was grocery shopping sometime back with my wife. We were walking through the grocery store. I walked, made the horrible mistake of walking down the magazine aisle. I turned my head and I caught uh, the cover of a GQ magazine. And y'all just bear with me. Brad Pitt was on the cover, right? Now, this was a little while back, but Brad Pitt's on the cover. And he's got his, his shirt, of course, unbuttoned he's at a beach and there's like water and mist and he's all looking all fierce like and just bear with me breathe okay my eyes descend to his stomach perfect six-pack and i can honestly say i'm going to be real honest with you i don't care nothing about my personal appearance except i want the six-pack abs man i want them and, you know, and I'm looking at this magazine. I'm trying to shield my wife's eyes, you know, and just don't look at it. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, he's like two years older than I am. 
So I can't even use the old, you know, I cross 40 and my metabolism is slowing down excuse, you know. And then, so then you start making excuses like, uh, well, you know, he's rich, so he has dietitians and chefs and, and he has trainers and all this kind of stuff. And okay, maybe that's an excuse. So I'll take four pack. Can I just have four of those abs, right? But when I look at something like that, it reminds me of the greatest source of misery in my life. And I don't know if you guys relate to this at all. The greatest source of misery in my life is staring at the space between what I am and what I want to be. Physically, between my one pack or two pack on a good day and Brad's, Brad Pitt's six pack. I stare at that space and I think, there's no way I'll ever get there. There's just no way. Because it occurs to me, and this isn't news, this isn't rocket science or anything, but a series of decisions have to be made. And a series, more importantly, a series of actions have to be taken to get from a two-pack to a six-pack. You've got to do something. See, I can stare at that magazine cover and wish and pray and, and, and seek God for the six-pack all day. But if I don't ever step out and do something, I'll never get there. But I've, I've, I've decided to do stuff before. I've, I've started so many workout programs, man. So many different diets. Is anyone relating to this beside me? I feel kind of awkward up here, y'all. Are you with me? All right. I've started so many things and never, never followed through. And then it occurs to me, and this is something you need to remember today. This is my big point for today. We don't actually do anything without thinking first. Every action of your mouth or your body involves thinking first. First we think, then we act. Real tough, right? If we say, I'm going to... Get on a workout program, okay, and I go one time, and I work out, and I work out hard, and I get the ab roller and the ab rocket and all that stuff, and then come two days later, and it's time to get up out of bed again and go to the gym. First we think, then we act. I begin to think, I'm tired. I don't feel like it, right? And I begin to think, and it I make an action out of it. First we think, then we act. So I stay in bed. I just sleep, right? Now, as I say that, let me say it again. We don't do anything except that we think first. Always. It's like the mind is the body and the mouse sort of direct report. Raise your hand if you're a business person in here. You, you have employees or anything like that. Okay. All right. Think about this. In any organization, right? You've got the head honcho, and then you've got your sort of mid-level management, and then you have your employees. And your employees very rarely get to go see the head honcho, usually, right? But there's always somebody right there that's the direct report. So if, if I'm an employee at any place, I don't go to the owner of the company. I go to my direct report. Well, that's how it is with the mind, because that's what we're talking about today, the mind. It's like the mind is the body and the mouth's direct report. And here's the scary news for you today, all right? 
your body and your mouth. Never, ever, ever disobey your mind. Never. Whatever you think, that's what you do. Once your mind makes a decision, it shouts out the orders to the parts of your body and your mouth. Your mouth and your body act and it's a done deal. So it occurs to me, remember I said, the greatest part of my misery in life is staring at the gap between who I am and who I want to be. Or what I have and what I really want to have. Well, it occurs to me, if we're ever going to close that gap, we have to change the way we think. You got to think right for you to act right. You don't think right, you won't act right. Simple, right? Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, I got teenage kids. And they've said to me on numerous occasions, I wasn't thinking, I just did it. Right? Or I said it without thinking. How many have said that? I got a wife. She's bled from that rule a little bit. I've said that. I said it without thinking. No, 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 no. No, I didn't. And teenage kids, no, you didn't. What happened was, you thought real fast. And acted real fast. Simple as that. Because this is a fact. You don't do anything without thinking first. So this is, this is an exercise I want to try with my kids. I'm going to try it with you if it's all right, okay? So I'm going to say something to you. And you say back to me, no matter what I say, I'm thinking about it. Okay? You with me? All right? Before I sleep, before I eat, before I eat too much, before I sleep too long, before I tell my wife she looks fat in that dress, and before she kills me where I stand, she is... Right. You don't do anything without thinking first. We've got to change the way we think if we're ever going to close the gap. If we're ever going to get where we want, this has to change. And God understands that. Because it says in Romans chapter 12, and this is our key verse for today. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2. If you don't mind, I'm going to jump right in the middle of uh, Paul's thought here. It says, therefore, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What's he saying there? This is how you really worship God. Do right. Do right stuff with your bodies, all right? Verse 2, this is key. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We know this verse really well, right? Well, I want to center up on a couple of things. This verse is talking about closing that gap between who we are and who we want to be. Change. I'm not where I want to be. I got to make a change. So this verse says, here's how you change. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be changed, transformed by renewing your mind, making your mind new. 
thinking differently. And when we're talking about it in the context of love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what we're saying is, I want to change my thinking until I think like God thinks. So there's two parts to that. It says, do not be conformed. Now, this, is, this gets really, really deadly. And if we really understand this, this is the first step to changing the way we think. Do you know, as we leave here today, you will encounter and I will encounter a world solely and completely dedicated to one purpose. Everywhere you go, everything you hear, everything you watch, darn near everybody you talk to, they're all dedicated to one purpose, to change the way you think. Change the way you think. I'll drive out of here. I'll go down 15. I'll see massive amounts of billboards on both sides of the road. Every single one of them designed to change the way I think. Because if it can change the way I think, it can change what I do. And it can make me do what, whatever company wants me to do. Can you imagine if we just didn't control our minds at all? Just driving down 15. Training table. Ooh, feel like a burger. Right? Uh, plastic surgery. Finally, getting a D is a good thing. Ooh. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, they're all designed to change the way we think. To make you and I do what they want us to do. See, it's very scary. If you really dig into it, you really understand it's some scary stuff. They're trying to change what we do. To make us do what they want us to do. And that's why Paul says, hey, look, don't conform to it. There's a whole world out there designed to shape you into the shape they want you to be. Don't allow it. Refuse it. Fight against it. There's another interesting verse about that in uh, 1 Corinthians. First, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. So first Paul says, hey, don't conform. Don't let them shape you. And here's how you stop them. This verse tells us how we stop them from shaping us. I'm just going to go ahead and read from verse 10, and then uh, verse 5 will be on the screen for you. Uh, I'll read from verse uh, 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. It's a war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's the key. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you you get the aggressive language in there? We demolish arguments. We demolish stuff that tries to argue against the truth. I drive down the road. I see the billboard for the training table. I think a burger would be good. Instead of just going off the road, I go, wait. There's a truth here. You're fat. (laughs) 
You don't need a burger. Stay on the road. What I just do? I demolish something trying to argue me into buying a burger. How do we demolish any arguments? We got married couples in here. Don't raise your hand. I'm sure we've all argued, right? How do we demolish any argument? Because I, I love to argue, right? I love it. Because I love to have better information than the person I'm arguing with and demolish them, right? How do you demolish an argument? You have better information. I have more accurate facts. So when I see training table, I have better information sitting right here, hanging over my belt, right? Or when I hear other things, when I watch ads on the television, for instance, breathe with me, okay? The other day, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife, just sitting there. We're just chatting. I'm doing the man thing, you know, sort of trying to listen while I'm switching channels, right? And we're talking. All of a sudden, man, some hamburger ad comes up. I don't know why I'm hamburgers today, but I'm, I'm there, right? Hamburger ad comes up. A girl, half-dressed. One of those uh, Kardashian girls, right? She's half-dressed. She's got a hamburger, and she's slinking around. Like, this is reality, right? Like, like you're going to go home, and your wife's going to be eating a hamburger, kind of slinking around, you know? She's all coy and all this stuff. And I think to myself, doggone it, man. I can't even watch a hamburger commercial without you trying to argue me into changing my thinking. So that it affects not only the way I feel about hamburgers, but the way I feel about this woman sitting next to me on the couch. We got to demolish that. You know what the problem is, and it's the same problem for me and everybody else, and maybe you relate. So many times we see so many arguments coming in our direction, and we don't even think to stop and demolish them. We just kind of let images and, and arguments and, and people's opinions just kind of wash over us. And don't, uh, are, are, is anybody relating to this? Because I do this stuff. It just kind of just washes over you. And you don't stop and go, wait a minute. That's a lie, man. That's not reality. Or that's going to change my thinking in a way I don't want it changed. And then he says, and we take captive every thought. And make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. In other words, the thought comes in your head. You stop. Wait. Is that thought of God? Or is it from some other place? Because if it's not of God, what that thought is going to do is influence my thinking so that I act in a certain way. So that my lifestyle does not reflect a man who loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what I really want. One time, uh, I used to, I taught Bible for a year to some uh, high schoolers. And uh, it was awful. But, uh, <clears throat> but we took them on this retreat. And this retreat center had this killer, like, paintball course. Anybody ever been paintballing, right? Okay, so I'd never been paintballing before. And I was scared because I heard those things really do hurt. And in fact, they really do hurt. <laughs> There's no question about it, right? They hurt. 
And so we all get our guns and our stuff and we get briefed and they send us out into the woods and we're fighting a war and it felt like a war to me. Like this is the closest experience I've ever had to actual warfare. How do I know? Because I behaved as I would in real war. I hid behind a log and prayed to Jesus. Just, Lord Jesus, help me. And paintballs are just, fume, 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 right over my head. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. And I just sat there. I just let them shoot. Because I was too scared to get up and shoot back. And you know what's even dumber? After that course, the instructor got one group of guys in a line, and he's playing this game called Revolutionary War. One group of guys in a line, the other group of guys in a line facing, were about 20 feet apart. One team gets to point and shoot. The other team has to stand there and take it. Can't move, can't hide, can't shoot back. Then after the first team shoots, then you get to shoot. And the other team's got to stand there and take it. You think I was scared when we were in the woods with the logs and stuff to hide behind? I was so scared. Just stand there and just... No. And then, once you get a shot, you take a big step forward. And they shoot again. Well, by the end, if you're fortunate enough to make it through the first three or four shots, you're like five feet apart. And if, and if you've had a really, really bad day, the other team still has three or four guys and you're the only dummy standing there on the other. And you're just standing there. just And you just stand there and take it. Shoot. Stand there and take it. I wonder, are we that way? You know that whole world, the whole world is shooting at us. Are we the kind of are, are we really the kind of people just stand there and take it just or are we going to step up and capture are we going to shoot back when a lie comes my way am I going to shoot back I know some truth I know enough to be fairly deadly I don't know everything but I know enough to shoot back I can get a shot off or am I just going to be one just because I've grown complacent or I feel like there's nothing that can be done and this is the way the world is and when, 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 just stand there and take it and let them just tell me all their lies and don't even stop and capture one thought that comes into my head. This is just the way it is. We got to take it. Just stand there and take it. Paul says no. We demolish arguments and everything that pretends to know more than God. And we take captive every thought and we make it, we force it to be obedient to Christ. I may not be able to control the billboards on either side of the road, but I sure enough can control up here. I can do that. So back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's how we're not conformed to the pattern of the world. We don't just stand there and take it. We fight back. We have truth. We shoot back. We get thoughts in our head that aren't of God. We stop. We capture them. People trying to argue and be smarter than God, we have better information. We demolish arguments. But then he says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. 
by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so how am I actually going to change? Okay, I understand keeping bad stuff out. This is an interesting thing about the mind. The mind is brilliant and the mind is stupid. The mind just takes in whatever comes its way. Whatever information comes its way, analyzes, interprets, passes out orders to the body and the mouth. That's how it works. I like how Christian put it when we were studying for this message. He said, the mind is mission control. Mission control takes in data, draws conclusions, passes out orders. And the body, remember I said, the body, the mouth, never, ever, ever disobey the mind. Never. So he says, be transformed by making that thing new. Renew it. Make it new. Well, how do we do that? We keep bad stuff out. I get it. We fight back. We keep the bad stuff out so the mind can't take it in as readily or as easily. But we can't just do that. That's not enough. Jesus even said, he told a parable about a guy that got delivered from an evil spirit, a spirit that was possessing him. And he he said, this guy gets delivered from an evil spirit. And then the evil spirit goes and gets seven of his buddies. And after the guy's inside the house, the inside of the man has been swept clean and put in order. The evil spirit comes back with seven of his buddies and they break into the house again. And the second condition of the man is worse than the first. So we can't just clean it out. We can't just keep bad stuff out. We have to be changed by making it new. We got to take good stuff in. Bad stuff out. Absolutely not. Demolish that. Good stuff in. And in Philippians, he gives us a really practical way to do that. Paul does. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy... Think about such things. Let me read it again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, I love that word, anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about such things. Think about it. Put your mind to it. I love that word anything because it, it just doesn't mean I got to sit around and think about the Bible all day, which is be great, but just not that. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I can sit back and think about how Matt Afferbach is a great drummer. He's excellent. And what that does is it begins to renew my mind. Notice this, and this is the really tough thing. Can't do it one time. Can't go to the gym and run 50 reps on the ab roller and expect to look like Brad Pitt. Can't do it. You got to do that kind of thing over and 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 over. Get up in the morning. What's true today? God loves me. What's right? I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to serve my wife. That's a tough one. I think about it. 
picture it in my head. What would it look like if I was the kind of guy that was just always serving my wife, always jumping up to do the dishes, always first to maybe help put the kids to bed, always trying to help her? And I think about that. What if I was that kind of guy? I think about that. I'm not there yet. I want to be in my heart. I really want that. I'm not there yet. So I got to think about it. What would it be like if I was like that? How would my life change? I'm thinking about it. And my mind begins to be made new. And if I change the way I think, I'll change what I do. Guaranteed. Although even as I say it, I can feel the recoil. Because I can feel some of you guys going, I tried that. And this whole, oh, I, can, I can handle the think on good things, fill your mind up with good things. But over and over and over and over and over and over and over, that's where I always blow it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Most people, I think, are right there with you. I think that worldwide, people are right there with you. One time I was, uh, I was on a mission trip and uh, uh, I was speaking in, in Ukraine. Some of you, I told you I went to the Ukraine and uh, I was kind of speaking and going around to churches and things. And church over there is way different than most churches here. Church over there, you get done speaking and then everybody gets out of their chairs and they line up and then they start coming toward you. <laughs> this is a horrifying experience if you've never... Ex- as a, as a speaker, I, I just felt, I'm, I'm out of my league here, baby. Get me out of here, right? And they're coming toward you so that you can pray for them. Well, I spoke, I was pretty nervous. I spoke at this church. There's like 1,500 people there. There's more people than I've ever spoken to. And I was really scared. And then they all lined up at the end, and they all just kept coming forward. And I was just... I was exhausted, and then I didn't know what to say or didn't know how to pray. And so I'm praying for this guy. this old-looking guy, just really haggard and kind of worn and, and, you know, just looked really rough. And I'm praying for him, and all of a sudden in my head, this thought pops. One thing. Ask him about one thing. So I stop. I stop praying, and I ask him. I say, listen, man. If you could point to one thing in your life that you feel is keeping you from really loving God, what would it be? He didn't even hesitate, not one second. He just went, vodka. Vodka. That just blew my mind. See, we're all in the same boat. I bet, I bet so many of us who brought cards up last week and wrote that idol down on that card. I bet that was the one thing. You know, we all mess up in a lot of ways. But there's usually one thing that wears us out, man. That makes us feel bad about who we are. And so I would love to stand here and tell you, as that guy said, vodka. I would love to say I prayed for that guy and he got delivered from alcoholism and delivered from vodka and he never had a drop again. But probably what happened was I prayed for him and he had to go home and change the way he thought. And it probably wasn't a one-time decision. He probably didn't go home to his little hut or his little village and go, I'm not going to drink vodka anymore. And then that was it. Probably not. He probably had to go home, 
say, I'm not going to drink vodka anymore because it destroys me. And then he probably had to get a hold of a Bible or something. And he probably had to get himself into a small group of people who were going through that same thing with that same beverage. And he probably had to talk and hear wisdom. And he probably had to keep going. And he probably had to keep reading. And he probably had night after night after night where he wanted to taste vodka so bad and he just had to cry out to God, please help me. And he probably had to have a best friend or two that could understand him that didn't drink vodka and just constantly encouraged him. You know what? You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You can do it. You can do anything. He might have even had to memorize a verse or two. He might have had to put a verse or two on his icebox or whatever he had. Just so it was always in front of his face. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can quit vodka today, this moment. Sometimes I wish it wasn't that way because it feels like a lot of work. It really does. But I don't know that I'm thinking about that right. Because when I apply that to our situation here. How do we begin to close the gap between what I really want, rather what I really want and what I have, or who I am now and who I really want to be? How do I do that? Well, in my context, I've got a couple of small groups that I attend regularly. And these are people that relate to me and know my junk, or getting to know it anyway. And we talk, and they encourage me, and hopefully I encourage them, and probably daily i've got to be in this thing right here always seeking always searching always reading and i have to pray continually if i really want to get there i mean if you don't want to get there okay but if you really want to that's what we have to do but even as i say that this is the most interesting thing even as i say that and i'm right there with you i'm with you Even as I say it, you're going, tried it, tried it, tried it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I quit. And I've been there. My one thing, I'm not saying this is the only thing I do wrong. I do lots of stuff wrong. But this thing really wears me out. I got a mean, mean temper on me. You didn't know that, did you? Because I'm always grinning. Right? But I got a bad temper, man. And I've hurt all kinds of people. I've hurt people I love. I've hurt people I just kind of liked. I've hurt relationships because I have this tendency, if you cross me and you keep crossing me, I'm going to lose my temper. And when I lose my temper, it is an ugly thing. Y'all don't ever want to do it. Trust me. All right? But I battled that thing my whole life, folks. Why do I have that temper? I'm a relatively reasonable, nice guy any other time. Why? Well, hmm. I bet you when I was a little kid, the world started speaking to me. 
I saw things. I heard things. Like my mother, she liked to yell. Duh. <laughs> you know? I had experiences. I had a few experiences where I didn't get, where I wasn't getting what I wanted, but I lost my temper and I did get it. Wow, it worked. And my mind began to change. Take all this information in, process it, and then begin to make decisions. Okay, when you want to get what you want, fly off the handle. So whenever I'm in a situation, not whenever, but whenever I'm in a situation where I'm not getting what I want, my mind tells my mouth, fly off the handle, and my body, jump around, breathe heavy, make some scary faces, right? And I begin to do that because that's the way I think. Now, my whole life, remember I told you my whole life since I was a kid, I battled this. So I'm, I'm, an, uh, I'm, a, I'm a man several years back. I'm actually a, what they call a youth pastor. I'm a pastor to students. And this was back when the internet just started happening. I'm going to tell you a scary story, all right? The internet just started happening. And I got involved with this organization called Integrity Online. It's one of these filter organizations. They're not around anymore, but it's a filter kind of thing where you keep the junk out of your face, you can still use the internet and enjoy that, right? Well, it costs like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month or whatever it costs. Well, I got the service and then I tried to download the software and the software didn't work. Well, I got the service over the phone. By the way, I'm the bane of every customer service rep on earth, right? I'm terrible on the phone, right? Well, it didn't work. And I'm so great with money, I didn't balance my checkbook for like eight months. And came to balance my checkbook, and I noticed Integrity Online is tacking my account monthly for $50. Well, eight months down the road, I'm out some bucks. So I call them up. I say, I'd never used that software once. Your software didn't work. I didn't use it. I didn't know I had your service. I thought it was a failed attempt. And the lady starts going, well, sir, we have a record here that you signed up and, you know, doing that customer service rep thing. If you're a customer service rep, God bless you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. All right. Right. And I start, I start talking. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. I didn't use it one time. Now I've paid money and I didn't get a service. I paid money for a service. And I didn't get the service. So it would stand to reason that I would get my money back and I'm starting to lose it. And she's to arguing back. I'm sorry, sir. We just, she's just as calm as she could be. I'm sorry. We just can't, we can't do it. Finally, I'm losing. I'm just losing it. You understand, I'm a youth pastor. And incidentally, I'm in the youth pastor's office. My office. And incidentally, it's Wednesday night. Church is that night. I'm in a church in my office. And I'm losing it. And finally, I'm like... You call yourselves integrity online. Have integrity. Give me my money back. Boom. Hung up the phone. A few years later. Felt bad, right? Don't want to be that way. Shouldn't be that way. That's not proper. That's not right. A few years later. Maybe five years later. I have a credit card issue. I recognize that I've made this payment. Back then, it wasn't as easy to make a payment online as it is now. I've made this payment sort of over the phone. For some reason, the payment didn't click. I don't know why. And I'm on the, day, I'm on the due date. And they charge you a late fee if you're past midnight on the due date. You get a late fee. And I'm calling them up. I've already paid this. I've already paid this. 
I'm sorry, sir, we don't have a record of your payment. Your payment must not have not gone through. But I did pay it. I know I paid it. And we're going through it, and we're going through it, and we're going through it. And I'm keeping relatively well under control. But we're going through it, and she's still arguing. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to be out. A lot of money here. And I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I'm getting crazy. And then we pass midnight. $29 more. And I just... She said, I'm sorry, sir, we've now passed midnight, so you have a $29 late fee due. (laughs) And I just lose it. I went all Baptist preacher on her, man. I just was like, I was like, listen, woman. I was like, this debt, these credit cards are specifically designed to enslave people, and I will not be your slave. And I'm I'm just going nuts on her. And I, and I said, have some integrity. I'm kidding you not. Have some integrity. Give me my money back. Boom. I looked over. And there's a mirror on the wall. And I catch a look at myself. I ain't never going to change. This is this is me. You know, the Apostle Paul once said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. He was talking about the fact that he was an apostle, but he wasn't an apostle like the other guys were. He came into the whole leadership thing a different way. He said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Which brings me back to, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm never going to change. And right as I look in that mirror, I remembered that verse. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I just accepted it. I am what I am. I'm never going to change. As if, because you are that way, it's okay to stay that way. Right? Any of you husbands ever whisper that to your wife? You knew what you were getting the day you married me. Right? I am what I am, baby. Take it or leave it. As if because we are that way, husbands, it's okay to just stay that way. But see, Paul goes on. He goes on in that verse. And what I'm trying to get to here is, yeah, we can't do it. I can't change the way I think. I can't just constantly keep bad stuff out and bring good stuff in. I feel unable. I feel overwhelmed. I can't do it, man. But then that verse says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. See, if I really think right, If I got my thinker on right, if I'm thinking straight, I know this. When I feel like I can't do it, God's grace is coming. God's grace is the most powerful force for change in the universe. It just keeps on pouring down. We make mistakes, grace keeps on coming. We run away and resist, grace keeps on coming. And God's grace is not... You know, 
I love you even though you have a bad temper. There is part of that. He does love us even though we're not everything we want to be. But it goes far beyond that. God's grace is actually God's influence on us. God's exerting influence. You think because of your one thing or whatever it is, you're never going to change. You're discounting the fact that God has influence. He's not sitting up there doing nothing, waiting on you to change and me to change. He's working. He's pouring His grace down. He's bringing it all the time. He's bringing it through people you meet. He's bringing it through places like this. He's bringing it through words that are spoken. He's bringing it through groups you're in. He's bringing it through when you pray. When you study God's word, he's bringing it. When someone says a kind word to you, he's bringing it. When you say a kind word back, he's bringing it. God's grace never, ever, ever stops, man. That gives me hope. And really, when I think about it, it, I know it's hard for you to believe. So I had this episode however many years ago, and I had this episode with the credit card lady a little later. But you know what? Between that time, I really did get a whole lot better. It's a lot harder for someone to make me angry today than it was back then. God's grace has been working in my life every single second through everyone I meet and everything in all kinds of ways. And His grace is changing me. Ben, come on up. And I want to encourage you with this. If you don't remember anything, remember this. No matter where you are, you're not going to stay that way forever. You're not going to stay there forever. Whatever character flaw you think you have or whatever thing that really beats you up or whatever thing that makes you feel really bad, it's not going to be like that forever. Because God's grace is moving. God's grace is working to change the way we think. So we change what we do. And if we change what we do, that gap between who we are and who we want to be what we have and what we want begins to close. But it all starts right here. And we're going to enter into a time of worship. I'm going to call this time of worship an avenue of God's grace. Here is an opportunity for you and for me to allow God's grace to pour over you. You're going to say some words that are true. So whatever thoughts that are coming into your head right now, this time in worship can begin and help you change the way you think. If you take advantage of it. If we receive God's grace. Right now, we're going to worship. Right now is your chance. Let's do that together.